0: Acts chapter twenty six. Acts chapter twenty six. Acts chapter twenty six. Aren't you glad you have a copy of God's word this evening? And I've been to places around the world where I, they've received a Bible for the first time, or a tract for the first time, or a John and Romans for the first time, and I've seen people weep as they've kissed the Bible and. And uh, just a quick story before I jump into the passage. Here, we, as many of you know, we served in Peru for several years. Served in Mexico for several years, and we, uh, during our first couple of months there in Peru, met a lady that was from Chile named Maria Eugenia. and she had a daughter named Najera, and her daughter Najera was educably slow, and with that, she. Literally, as a baby, or, uh, Mary Eugenia went to the, to, the place at, to the adoption place and said, I want the baby that can't do anything for me. She said, "Well, we have this girl over here. She can't walk. She can't, she, she can't really do anything on her own. And she, you're going to have a challenge. And she said, that's the one that I want. Probably one of, the, one of the best Christians that I've ever met. And she was very Catholic by nature growing up. She had one son named Christian wasn't a Christian yet but named Christian she had one son named John pa- John Paul or Juan Pablo and then she had Nakada, and I remember the first time uh, Nakada came to me, and she said by the time they came to our church she was walking, and she had not gotten to the level where uh, she would have liked to have gotten, or maybe where her mom would have liked to, to, have, to, to have raised her uh, to, to getting to, to learn more and to getting more uh, aptitude for, the wor- for uh, words and reading and so forth. But I remember looking at me and she said, Bible me. And I said, does she want a Bible? And she said, yes, I think she does. And I remember giving her a Bible. I remember her going home that night and she threw everything that she had off of her bed, all her stuffed animals, all her teddy bears, all her baby dolls. And she just decided that night from then on she was going to sleep with the Word of God. She didn't know much about the Bible like you and I do, but we began to pray for her, And I do believe that God heals people. I do believe that God can do healing. He's the one that does it. It's not man, but he's the one that does the healing. After about a year or two, uh, she did. She was able to understand the Word of God. She did trust uh, Jesus as her Savior, and not too long after that, she, with, with the um, small availability of her vocabulary that she had, she was trying to win her family and trying to win her friends to Christ, and I thought about that as, as I opened the Word of God tonight. I remember her holding the Bible and hugging the Bible, and I've seen many Christians around the world getting a Bible for the first time, and I hope that it never gets old that we get to hold the Word of God. Hope it never gets old that we get to read it, we get to uh, meditate on it, we get to memorize it, we get to hear preaching and teaching. And uh, Acts chapter 26, Acts 26 if you would, look down at verse number 15, verse number 15 down through verse number 18. It says this, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have prepared, uh, appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which in, in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified. By by faith that is in me. I love verse number 18 because it's wonderful when you see someone, they open their eyes, they turn, and God helps them turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I'm going to ask this a couple questions this evening. I'll pray and I'll jump right into the message. Wouldn't you want to do something in life that really matters? Wouldn't you want to live a life that's exciting? Wouldn't you want to do something that may be a little bit challenging? I thought of the keysters even this evening uh, as, I think their children wanted to talk too, but as I saw the video this evening and I saw them learning a new language, uh, most of us wouldn't know what it's like to learn a new language, but it's challenging. New culture, new, but God can help you do whatever he wants you to do. Don't you want God to change a life through you? Don't you want to be a success at what really matters? William Carey said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And I think I find myself sometimes in that case. We succeed, and when it's all said and done, I really want my success to be a success for the Lord and the Lord working through me at something that really does matter. I'll say it very plainly. This month of March really does matter. And I believe what we decide during this month, it's a business meeting for our church. It is a vote yes for God. It's a vote yes for the world. It's a vote yes for missions. It's a vote yes for the gospel. It's a vote yes for doing what God wants us to do. Father, I pray that you'd speak through me tonight. I need you. I'd ask that you'd help me to move out of the way. Man, I think of this world. I think of the 193 nations around the world. I think of the scores of other islands and other territories. Somebody this night is even saying, maybe, come over and help us. And I pray that we would. I pray that they wouldn't call out in vain. Pray they wouldn't call out, but we would not only hear the call, but we would answer it. And we would do your will for our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Message is pretty simple this evening. I didn't say it was brief, but I said it's simple. I've heard some people already tonight asking me to keep it short and sweet. I said I'd keep it short because I don't have any other option there, but... But then other people are saying preach till nine and I won't tell you who they are. Number one, the first point that I want to give you this evening is missions is exciting. Sometimes people say, man, I want you to do, why don't you hang glide? Or why don't you climb mountains? Or why don't you do this? And not that those things aren't exciting. I don't find much adventure in climbing mountains and I'm not opposed to that. I'm okay being high in altitudes as long as I have an enclosed structure like a plane or something. But just being out and about where I can see thousands of feet down is just, I don't know, to me, I think I would uh, i would die of fear maybe in cases like that. But missions is exciting. I'll, I'll read several verses for you. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I think about the Christian life, and I think about doing the will of God, and and when, when we talk about missions, some people I'm sure here this evening are newer to our church. Basically what we're talking about this month is going locally and globally to give someone the word of God, to share the gospel with them, to give them a track, to give them a John Romans, to give them maybe a church in their area, to send a missionary their direction. But missions is exciting. I remember my first trip, and only trip up until this point, along the Amazon River. It was the year 2000, and I remember taking that, 2001, excuse me, 2001, and I remember taking that trip, and I remember stepping off into the, uh, into the, literally knee-deep mud, and as I came back up and got my leg back out of the mud first, I'm kind of embarrassed, and there's some kids kind of laughing at me, and, and I was trying to be a good Christian, i say what I shouldn't say, and so I'm like, hey guys, how can I help you? And he, they said, why are you here? And I didn't know what else to say, but I, want, I came here to give you the Word of God. So I began witnessing to two children, and while I was witnessing to them, a third child walked up, so I started over again, and then as I got into the first point of the plan of salvation, a a fourth boy walked up, and I just yelled out, if you'd like to go to heaven, when you'd like, come down here, and I'll show you how you can. And about 35 people formed, and all of them listened to the gospel, and all of them that were of the age that could get saved, they were ready, they were eager, they wanted to hear the word of God. Missions is exciting. Sometimes we hear horror stories, and sometimes we hear stories, and sometimes people want to dismiss or dismay or discourage or disappoint someone in missions, but I'll say it very plainly. If God ever calls you to be a missionary, it's an exciting life. It's a wonderful life. It's the abundant life. Luke fifteen seven says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons that which need no repentance. And I look at the word of God tonight and I think about as seeing that one sinner trust Christ and seeing another sinner trust Christ and seeing another sinner trust Christ. I was visiting uh, maybe two years ago in Warsaw, Poland. And on a Sunday we were getting ready for the service and a man called and he said, are you having church this morning? And Brother Saka was sitting right beside him. He said, yes, we're having church. We're going to have it about 30 minutes from now. And he he said, well, I'd like to come. And he said, tell me your story. He said, well, I flew in from India two days ago. He said, I was looking online. He said, I was, I just looked up website, uh, church or Baptist church. I w I said, I came from a Baptist church in India, but I wanted a Baptist church to attend. And it was pretty unique that someone that had only been in Poland for two days, found the church and came to the church service. He said, man, I'm going, I'm going to start the, uh, the, uh, uh, university here, but I want, I've got several other Indian friends that I'd like to also get them to come, uh, to this church. And it was, it was neat. Missions is exciting. Adoniram Judson said the prospects are are as bright as the promises of God. I think about the promises of God and God's never failed to fulfill His promises. If God says something in His Word and God gives us a promise in His Word, He always fulfills His promises. And I love when we go out soul winning, it's never a bad day. I love when we give to missions, it's never a bad day. Uh, ladies who are in the Women's Missionary Society, when, when you go to those meetings, and I'm sure you have a lot of fun at those meetings, but when you go to those meetings and you, you get a barrel ready for a missionary in Africa, or you get a package ready, or you sign anniversary cards, you sign birthday cards, it's awesome when a missionary opens that up on the foreign field and says, somebody cares about me. I plead with you, keep doing what you can for missions. Missions is exciting, but our missionaries do need your encouragement. Several years ago, I was visiting the Czech Republic and uh, Brother Josh Norton, who's now in heaven. I miss Brother Josh Norton. I remember uh, Brother Vogel and I talked several times when we worked together at the college about Brother Josh Norton, but I got to visit him in the Czech Republic, and he said, he said let's, let's go uh, into the public schools there, and we did. We went into the public schools, and this is what he told me. He said I, I said, I said, Brother Josh, can we give him the word of God? Can we give him the gospel? And this is what he said. This may be our one and only opportunity. So on one day, we went into one half of the class, and we got to give them the gospel, and the next uh, the next day, we got to give the other half of the class of the gospel. I didn't know that, I think it was two or three years after that, Brother Josh Norton would go to heaven. But we got to give them the gospel, but during my time there, there was a young lady by the name of Adia. And Adia was a young lady that came. They had English classes on Mondays and Tuesdays, and, and she came, first of all, on Sunday morning, and I think she had come before. I don't remember if she had been there before. I think she had come to the Monday or Tuesday before. And on Sunday she came to the morning service and she listened to the gospel and she talked to one of our college students. And by the way, young people, God can use you. He doesn't just use adults. He uses children and teenagers to do his work as well. But I thought of it as a, as he, they began to give Adia the gospel and Three hours, I think it was two or three hours after the morning service, they were still giving her the gospel. She said, I'm going I'm to come back tomorrow night. And they gave it to the, give her the gospel again another two hours. By the end of the time, they had given her the gospel for six or seven hours to where she could understand the gospel. She was previously atheist. And Adia trusted Christ as Savior after seven hours. What was unique is the next day in class, they had been able to choose projects in class. And I know every college student, every young person that's here tonight, you love projects, don't you? And she was the average young person, and she said, when she looked on the board, there were several subjects on the board, and one of the subjects was the, the, the existence of God. She said, that'll be an easy project. God doesn't exist. Project done. She said, when I come to class, I'm going to get up and say, the existence of God. God doesn't exist. My project's done. I think I deserve an A. But she got saved the night before that she gave her project. So the next day when she gave her project, she said, I'm going to give a project on the existence of God. And this is what she stated. She said, I know God exists because Jesus now lives inside my heart. And it caused such a stir in her class, or teacher, I think after a while, had to sit her down and say, we don't need to talk like that in school. And she said, I'm just doing my report, I'm just doing my project. Missions is exciting. I was in England with Brother Dave Sold and, and uh, he was at that time in Preston, England. We were out soul winning, and I love, I love the soul family. We have right now all three of the sons here, uh, Jeremy and Joshua and, da- Joshua and Daniel, and uh, Daniel's already graduated from our college, but I was visiting with him, and every morning we would sing, I want that mount, and he said, while you're here, we, I was with several college students on that trip, and we went to England, and our goal was, Brother, Brother Soul gave it to us, he said, let's win 50 people to Christ in the next week. And I said, well, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's pray. And the first day was horrible. I'll just state it. The first day was bad. Like we all came back and he's like, how many did you win? I'm like, none. And every college student, none, none, none. And he looked at us, he said, do you think God doesn't want to work here? And I was like, no, I mean, we're not saying that. I'm just saying I didn't get to anyone to Christ. If you mean me to tell you some numbers, I'll give you some numbers. But we didn't get to anyone to Christ. We kind of laughed about it. He said, we're going to keep praying and asking God. By the way, at the end of that trip, we saw 54 people saved. But a couple of them that were saved, I was, we were out passing out tracks and I gave a young man a track and he said, I'm not interested, but the person in lot 16 is interested. And I thought, man, that's kind of awkward. Somebody's not interested, but he's gonna tell me like the hot prospects on this street. And so I, I looked down there and I was like, you know, there's lot two and there's lot four and there's lot six and there's, and all the way to lot number 16, all the other ones looked nice. Lot 16 looked like it was about to fall apart. And I thought, why does it, why does it always happen to me? Why can't it happen to somebody else this one time? And as I, as I walked up to the door, the door opened up, and it didn't creak, but it might as well have creaked. And I walked up, and the lady said, we've been expecting you. And I was like, you know, man, I'm the college professor, and I'm supposed to be te- teaching these students how it's done. And so Daniel was my soul and part of that day. He said, what do we do? I said, they've been expecting us, you know, what, do I, what else am I going to do? We went inside her house and I said, I don't know how to explain this. Somebody told me somebody in this house is interested in the gospel. I said, I don't know who it is, but could you help me out? And she looked at me. She said, I'm looking for another faith. She said, the faith that I've put in to the, I've been putting my faith in the wrong thing. Who can I put my faith in? Gave her the gospel, gave her daughter the gospel. Three people that were sitting on the couch across the, across the, uh, room also received the gospel. What are you saying tonight? Missions is exciting. Missions is exciting. 2 Corinthians, would you turn there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I know there's a lot of exciting things you can do in life, but if you're still sitting there saying, I don't know what God has for me, why don't you pray and say, God, would you let me go? Would you let me go to the mission field? Would you let me serve you? Would you let me take a missions trip? Would you let me do something for you? Or literally, would you do something through me is probably better stated. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I look at this passage here, I'm reminded that our gospel shouldn't be hid. I'm reminded that the devil, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel would shine on them. And then we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ pastor made a powerful statement on Sunday. He said, you don't love missions because you love people. You love missions because you love God. I wrote it, man, I I heard that. I I, I couldn't write it down fast enough. I'm glad I remembered it, but I thought, there's a lot of places around the world where I thought, man, I'm here because of you. And I look at the world and I look at the need and I look at the flags and I look at, I look at the map and I, I say, man, I love you so much. I'm willing to go anywhere. I ask you, young person that's here tonight, are you willing to go anywhere? Sometimes it's easier to say, I'm willing to die for Jesus. My question is for myself. My question is for all of us. Are we willing to live for Him? Are we willing to go to the challenging places? Are we willing to go to the places where there's not a missionary? There's not a church. There's not a, uh, there's no, there's nothing there. There's no gospel there. You know, we could really use some translators, those that could translate the Bible into other languages. And, and it's a challenging work, and it's a thankless work, and it's a, it's a thoughtless work. Nobody thinks about it. But I'm glad that we have the Bible in English, aren't you? But there's a lot of places around the world they don't have the Bible like you and I do. It was easy for me to read the Bible this morning. It was easy for me to read the Bible this afternoon. But there's a lot of places that don't have the Word of God. Brother Froki gave this illustration on, I think it was uh, this past week, at Chapel, and I've given the illustration several times. John Stevens Aquari from Tanzania, he was in the 1968 Olympics. He's known as the, less, the, the best last place finish ever. I mean, that's not something you wanna be known for. What are you known for? I got the best last place. That's kind of like when I was a kid, I think I got, uh, my, my twin brother and I joked about this several times, he got the highest score and I got the highest handicap. They gave us both trophies. I had no idea as a kid, I thought I got a trophy too. My brother said, yep, you got a trophy for being last. I got a trophy for being first. I think I kind of hid that trophy after a while. <laughs> I don't want that trophy. But he got the best last place finish ever. Let me tell you a little bit of his story and then let me tell you the, the finishing of it from what Brother Froki said in chapel recently. He was from Tanzania. And while he was running, I believe he tore a hamstring, but he kept running. He saw the other runners run past him, and he knew he wasn't going to get a medal. He knew he wasn't getting gold and silver or, 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 uh, or bronze. He knew he wasn't going to get any of the medals, but he made the statement. They asked him afterwards, why did you keep running? I think he finished an hour and a half after the medal ceremony. He finally got in, and people waited for him to finish. I think he finished maybe 16th. You can study it out later on. People asked him, why did you finish, why did you do all of that? He said, the country of Tanzania did not, send me to, did not send me to the Olympics to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And when we were there with Brother Jerry Wyatt III, we had our uh, stadium crusade. I'll, I'll just state to the church, thank you for sponsoring that. Many of you may not even know we sponsored that three or four years ago. We sent some money to help with the crusade. In that crusade, almost 1,000 people trusted Christ as Savior. In that crusade, over 10,000 people packed that stadium and heard the gospel. Guess who was there that day? John Stevens Aquari, I think in his 80s now. He took the he took a bus trip 12 hours to come to that stadium. And over a meal, I'll, I'll never forget it, I sat there and, and Mrs. White was sitting across from where I was sitting, and I asked her, I said, what are they talking about in, in Swahili? And she said, he's giving them the gospel right now, pray. And John Stevens of Quarry bowed his head and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ for, as Savior. Missions is exciting. If you're looking for an exciting life, do something that really matters. I'm not opposed to sports. Sports is fun, and, but we're not going to get award, rewards in heaven for Sports. Enjoy it. I think it's important, but I want to do something that truly matters. And missions is exciting. I remember going as we served in Mexico for two years. Remember meeting a young boy by the name of Hilberto, probably eight or nine years old, and my wife and I talked with him, and he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I remember asking him, "Can you go ask your mom if you can come to church with us?" And he said, "Yeah, let me go. Let me go get her." And I remember him walking through literally a wall of garbage. And I said, where are you going? He said, this is where I live. He said, we find things, we go through the garbage, and if we can barter it, or if we can trade it, or if we can sell it. He said, that's how we make a living. And I noticed he didn't have any shoes on. And I said, man, can we get you a pair of shoes? I said, what size shoes are you? Again, 9 10-year-old boy. He said, mister, I've never had shoes before. I don't know what size shoe I'm, I am. And I remember us getting a piece of cardboard. It's probably not the best way of doing it, but we got a piece of cardboard and had him stand on the piece of cardboard and we drew his foot around the piece of cardboard. We brought it to the, to the it was probably the most awkward shoe salesman. That shoe salesman probably had a hard time explaining to everybody else what we were doing. Can I get this size? I remember them, them getting the shoes and I remember giving it to him. He said, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. I oh, mean, I really appreciate it, Mr. The next week I noticed he wasn't wearing his shoes anymore. He said, Mr. Don't get upset with me, Mr. Please don't get frustrated with me. And I said, why would I get frustrated with you? He said, this week we got hungry. We didn't have anything. He said, Mr. You got us those brand new pair of shoes last week. And I guess I can thank you, Mr., because that helped us eat all week long. Most of us don't know how the world lives. Most of us, if we're not careful, we live in a very comfortable place. But most of the world doesn't live comfortably like we do. We need to get the gospel to them, because I think it would be horrible if they had to live the way they live in third world countries around the world, and then still didn't have the gospel, and spend an eternity in hell after that. Let's do what we can to get them the gospel. I remember one of my favorite stories when we were in Zambia. I was in Zambia, and that was, that was a long trip. We flew from here to London. It was about a seven-hour trip, and then a 12-hour layover, so we saw the sights there in London, the Buckingham Palace, and several things there, and then... Got back on a plane and flew all the way to South Africa. And I'm like, we're not there yet. And then we flew from there to Zambia. It was 37 hours by the time we finally landed. And then the missionary there said, hey, we're having a service tonight. And I was like, I can't wait. You know, 37 hours into the trip. I was hoping we'd have a a service tonight. But once I got to the church and I heard the teenagers singing in acapella, I thought, man, heaven's going to be wonderful as I heard them uh, blending in their, their harmony. And just as they sang, I thought, man, heaven's going to be wonderful, not just because there's going to be some, and again, I don't know what language we'll speak in heaven, but it's going to be awesome to hear people from all over the world singing in one chorus to our, to our Lord and Savior. But while I was on that trip, I got to speak with a Zambian man. And he said, hey, I've got some people I want you to witness to. He said, just in the front of his yard, he, said, he had a couch there. He said, just sit on the couch. There were several other seats, and I was kind of, you know, I was just sitting there by myself. He brought five people up. He said, I, I don't know how to witness to them. My pastor says we need to give them the gospel. So can you give them the gospel? And all five of them just sat there. I gave them the gospel. They bowed their head and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We, I went back to witness to more people, and and he went on. Missions is exciting. Had another another man in Peru when we were there. There was a, one of the men that came to our church every Sunday after the service. They would fix us a meal and and uh, provide some type of a Peruvian cuisine for us, and enjoyed a lot of the Peruvian food there. But uh, while we were there, he would often on a Tuesday night he would say, "Could you come to my apartment at seven o'clock on Tuesday?" And I said, "Sure. Why?" He said, "Just come." And he would prepare what they have there is Inca Cola. He'd prepare that for me. And, and then he'd say, somebody's going to come. And when they come, can you give them the gospel? And I remember week after week after week, he would have another friend, another neighbor, another relative that would come. And it happened for about two or three months where every single week, seven o'clock on Tuesday, he'd invite somebody else. He didn't know how to go Sona, but he knew that I did. And he didn't want his friends to die and go to hell. So he wanted me to tell them how they could go to heaven. Missions is exciting. Number two, missions is eternal. Missions is eternal. Anything that I do for God, anything that God works through me, and as I get the gospel out, it's eternal. It's a work that never ends. Look with me at John chapter 4, if you would. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, please. John 4, verses 34 to 36 says this, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, And to finish his work, say nigh ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together." I love it that when I go soul winning, and whether it's here or whether it's around the world, it's an eternal work. When I pass out a track, I don't know who's going to get saved by passing out a track. But I know of several stories that I've heard time and time again of somebody that received a track and then trusted Christ later on. It's when I pass out a track and then they get saved later. It's the person that sowed and the person that reaped. They're going to rejoice together. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, if you would. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. I know Pastor just went through Matthew 5 through 7. I think I'm just going to go through the same passages. No, I'm not going to go through the same one again, but Matthew chapter 6, I really enjoyed that. I told Pastor it was a great help as he went through the Sermon on the Mount recently. Matthew chapter 6, look at verses 19 through 21. Matthew chapter six, verse number 19, "'Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, "'where moth and rust doth corrupt, "'and where thieves break through and steal. "'But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, "'where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, "'and where thieves do not break through nor steal. "'For where your treasure is, "'there will your heart be also.'" You ever had trophies before? And it used to be a basketball trophy, but there's no basketball anymore? Used to be a soccer trophy, and you got a guy that looks like he's fixing to kick the ball, but the ball's not there anymore? There's a baseball trophy, but the bat's missing. How many got trophies like that? Or you've seen trophies like that? Or you maybe, 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 uh, maybe you've thrown away your trophies. I don't know what happened, but I look at the trophies there, and you know, that's not going to really matter one day. What is going to matter is what I do for him. What is going to matter is when I go soul winning. What is going to matter is when I give to missions. I thought about this recently, and I, I've mentioned it several times in class at the college, but if all I'm doing is putting things on this earth, and I'm laying up and storing things on this earth, then every single day I'm walking away from that. But if I'm storing things in heaven, and I'm not storing everything here, I'm storing things in heaven, every single day that I live, I'm facing closer and closer that one day, when I and I'll be able to spend an eternity with those treasures. Things here rust. Things here get destroyed. Things here people steal sometimes. Things, things here, they're, they're, they get moth-eaten. I remember when we went back to Peru and probably one of the most most eerie times that I've ever seen is I went back and I went to our closet and our closet had been shut up or our house had been shut up for only four weeks, but it was extremely humid during that time of the year. And I remember going back and I remember opening the closet and everything in my closet was green. Every suit now matched every tie, now matched every dress shoe, now matched everything perfectly matched. Probably nobody would have wanted to wear those things. And I looked at that, and as I looked at that for a moment, I thought, man, it's just a reminder to me and a reminder to you, man, we pack things up and we store things, and I think of how many even self-storage we can't, we don't have enough room where we have, so we have to keep finding storage here and there and yonder. I plead with you, as we go into this month, let's do something for eternity, something that's really going to matter. First Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would. We said number one, missions is exciting. Man, I love the I love the life that God's given to me. Second of all, missions is eternal. What we do for him is not just going to be here for a short amount of time, it's gonna be through eternity, forever and ever and ever. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 8 says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for ye are labors together with God. Uh, just, just let me stop here just for a moment. Aren't you glad we get to work with him? Man, I, I've been, I've been I played basketballs on some, basketball on some teams. It was, it was normally if there was 11 out, I was the 11th one, and I was like, ah, just, I was just kind of watching you guys play. And, uh, <clears throat> but, man, I played on some teams where the player was really good. It didn't matter whether I made it or not because so-and-so was going to make it. I played on some teams, whether it's football or whether it was soccer, man, it didn't matter because I was, and think about it, we get to partner with God. We get to partner with God all around the world and teenager, young person, child, uh, there's several children here this evening. I plead with you before you say, I want to do this and I want to do that. Go to your knees and say, God, what do you want me to do? God has a great, God can do more with your life than you could have ever imagined. Again, I had the privilege of preaching not too long ago in, in the, at the college and I had a list of places that I've been and, pe- and people that I've been able to see and, and different meals on different continents and different places and different, all of that. And it all happened because I was holding God's hand while he led me here and led me there. Living the Christian life is awesome. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Second of all missions is eternal. Let me continue that passage there, First Corinthians chapter three, verse number nine. "For your labors together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye God's building. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth there, thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, uh, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In that day when I go to heaven, you know what I don't want? I don't want wood, hay, and stubble. I don't want God to put all my works there and say, all right, light it up. And I don't want to be going through the ashes seeing is there any precious stones here? Is there any piece of gold? Is there any? I plead with you tonight. I beg you tonight. If it would help, I'd get on my hands and knees and I'd ask you this one question. What are you doing for him? What are you doing for him? You know, teenagers can do something for Jesus Christ. You know, adults can do something for Jesus Christ. Senior citizens can do something, young people can do something, single can do something, divorced can do something, married, young married can do something. We ought to all, and by the way, we're not in competition with one another. I'm in my own race. You're in your own race. I wouldn't dare raise some of you in here. You'd beat me. I'm glad that I'm not in competition with you, that I, I've got the race that God has set for me. You've got the race that God has set for you. C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I enjoyed Brother Jerry Oswardy's uh, devotion not too long ago. He said my, I think it was something like the title of my lesson is Only What's Done for Christ Will Last. Point number one, only what's done for Christ will last. Point number two, only what's done for Christ will last. Point number three, only what's done for Christ will last. And he said every sermon has to have three points in a poem. So he gave us a poem that only what's done for Christ will last. And I sat there, and you wonder why a, a Brother Jerry S. Ward, he's worked here for over four decades, probably four and a half decades now, because he realized what he does is for Jesus Christ, and it's going to last. Everybody in here, and and, and I I, I remind myself, and not everybody in here has the privilege of teaching. Not everybody in here has the privilege of speaking behind a a pulpit. Nobody, not every, but you know what? You can do the work that God's called you to do in a bus route. You can do the work that God's called you to do where God has you. You can give what God wants you to give. You can pray like God wants you to pray. We can all do our part as we get the gospel to the foreign field. Not only is missions, number one, exciting. Not only is it eternal. Number three, missions is everywhere. Missions is everywhere. You see, what do you mean by that? I mean, I remember as a child, I would see in some churches, you are now entering your mission field. And as a child, I thought, how, how am I entering my mission field? I'm still in this, I'm still in Raleigh, North Carolina, or I'm still in Marion, Iowa. Or I'm still in Hammond, Indiana. How am I still, still in my mission field? How am I entering into a mission field? I plead with you tonight. Uh, yes, God, the gospel should be getting, gotten around the world, but we've got to get the gospel as well locally. That's why we should have tracks. That's why we should go soul winning. That's why we have bus routes. I thank the Lord for bus routes. And I think the Lord is a college student. Thank you so much. I, I don't know how to thank those who kept House Anderson College open before I got here, but I, 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 I thank you. I, 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 I the gratitude of my soul is, is more than I can fathom. When I came here, I thought, we're going to spend all day long in Chicago? I'd never been to a big city quite like Chicago. But that that that's that softened my heart. That gave me a heart for souls. That showed me how to bring people to church. It showed me how to bring the I plead with you tonight. Don't stop, don't ever stop running the buses. Don't ever stop visiting. Don't ever stop driving the bus. Don't ever stop leading the program. Don't ever stop knocking on the doors. That's something that's eternal. But missions is not only as exciting, missions is eternal, but missions is everywhere. He, just last week I was out visiting with Buddy Rios and It was his door, unfortunately, because he got to win the person to Christ, but it was his door. And Buddy knocked on the door, and a young person answered the door, and he said, Hey, you know for sure you're going to heaven? He said, No, I don't. I said, Would you like to? And the teenager said, I sure would. And after about 15 minutes, he bowed his head and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not just getting the gospel around the globe, it's getting the gospel around the corner. Seriously, I'll never be able to go to the mission field uh, because of this or that. I'll never be able to, because of health concerns or because of my age or because of whatever the case might be. You know what? You can go get, you can go, uh, get missions around the world through your finances. You can get missions around the world through your prayers. I'll carefully state this because I don't want to get super emotional this evening, but my mom was bedridden for the last five years of her life. She's been to heaven now two years. But man, my mom, she wouldn't stop giving the missions. And I'd ask her, I'd say, Mom, you got this to do, and you got that to do. And she said, Yes, Jeremy, I do. She said, But when I see Jesus face to face, I don't want to have excuses why I couldn't get the gospel around the world. She decided as a, as a mom, again, who was bedridden for the last five years, couldn't do much, but from her bed she would pray. From her bed she would give. From her bed she would encourage. From her bed she would email. that we would realize that, the mission, that missions is everywhere. We should witness here. We should also witness around the world. I remember even locally, I remember as I was out visiting one day in Chicago. The last visit, it was, one of those, it was one of those nights that like, man, I'm ready to go home, but it was program time. Just one more visit. Just one more visit. Just one, you know, two hours later, just one more visit. i just like one more. And I remember knocking on the door, and they were it was a Spanish family, and I thought I spoke Spanish at that time. It was kind of Iglesia Manana, Ocho media," you know, kind of like some of us here. Come on now. And they looked at me, and surprisingly enough, they said, we're coming tomorrow. And they said it in Spanish, but <laughs> we're coming tomorrow. I said, okay. So we pulled the bus up. About 12 or 13 people came out of the house. I was like, man. I thought, man, i got to wake up from this. This is like a dream come true. Went to church. Everybody that was at the age that they could get saved, they got saved. I'll never forget the next week when I came to visit them. Their house was no longer there. I mean, no longer there. I'll never forget it as long as I live. There were burn marks all on the side, and there were burn marks all all on the back of the house where the house used to be. And the neighbor came out and she said, you're the one. You're the one. And I said, I'm the one that what? She said, you brought them to the church last week, didn't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I did. She said, shortly after they got home from church, all of them were inside the house and somehow a fire got started when they were cooking lunch. She said, none of them made it out alive. Not one of them. Man, I, I, man, I went back, I, was, I about passed out. I just walked back on the sidewalk and I thought, man, I'm glad I didn't miss that week. Glad I knocked on that one more door. For all these years now, they've been in heaven. Now 25 years, they've been walking down streets of gold now, because of someone special, because of someone special called God that can use you, that can use me, can use nobodies like us. Number one, missions is exciting. Number two, missions is eternal. Number three, missions is everywhere. Oswald J. Smith made the statement, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. We were in a place called Chacotengiz, Veracruz, Mexico. One of the most awkward times I've ever had there in Mexico. We were... We were doing a, a service for the adults and for the children. We had—I don't know—for whatever reason, somebody had rented a Barney suit, and I thought kind of an awkward thing. But hey, let's get the kids involved. So they were walking around the Barney suit, and the guy said, "Hey, I'm going to pass out. It's pretty hot in this suit." And I was like, "I'm sorry. I'll pray for you." He said, "No, really. I'm going to pass out." So I remember—I remember him taking the hat off, and he handed it to me. Well, I didn't know he had already sweated in the hat, and I remember. Putting it on, I was like, ah, you know. I, I, then I about almost passed out there. I remember after seeing people saved that day, and one of the most, one of the funniest. Just, it was a great time. My wife and I went to uh, to stay with with a church member from Mexico City, their mom's house, a 96 year old lady named Guadalupe. I remember walking in the door and. She, she had a bag tat around her foot, and I said, what's the bag for? She said, I've had cancer for 25 years, never had a chance to go to the hospital, never had a chance to go to the doctor. She said, so I just have this bag there, just kind of, it's, it's gruesome. She said, you don't want to see it? My wife and I that night gave her the gospel. Would you like to trust Christ as Savior? She said, yes, I would. And she was extremely happy, but then she got almost like from happy to mad all in the same moment. And she looked at me, she said, when did you hear the gospel for the first time? And I said, I don't know. I said, I trusted Christ as Savior at the age of four. And she looked at my wife. She said, when did you get saved? And my wife said, I, 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 I mean, I got saved at the age of 12. I don't know what the first time it was that I heard the gospel. And she looked at it. She said, it's not fair. She said, I'm 96. She said, I would have gotten saved at four. I would have gotten saved at 12. She said, I'm 96 years old. She said, I don't have a life that she said, I would have given my entire life for God. And then she asked me a question. I didn't know how to answer. And listen, teenager. She asked me this question. Could it be that somebody should have come sooner and didn't? Oh, man, I was so provoked by her question. I didn't know how to answer her question. Tears were, at that point, streamed on my face and said, Guadalupe, I don't know, but let's just thank the Lord that you got saved. Now she said, I'm happy that I'm saved. She said, but shouldn't someone have come sooner? And I asked myself the question many a time, who was God calling on maybe decades previous, but they just said, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next time God calls. I'll go next time. I'll go to the invitation next time. I'll give the next missions conference. I'll do something next time. I'll get the tracks next time. I'll start on the bus route next time. I plead with you tonight. There might not be a next time. Not only missions is exciting. Missions is eternal. Missions is everywhere. But I love this part. Number four, missions is for everyone. Missions is for everyone. Everybody in here can have a part. I know we're talking about God's heart, the heart of God. Would you look with me to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9, if you would. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, I'll read verses 35 to 38. Verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he of his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore therefore, Lord, of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. I thought about this verse in this passage here. If the harvest is plenteous, shouldn't the labors be plenteous? I see the shoes here tonight. You know what they would love? They would love for missionaries to be called to Burundi. They would love for missionaries to be called to Uganda. They would love to have other people near them that would go serve them on the mission field or serve with them on the mission field. I think of several missionaries around the world that would love missions is for everybody. David Livingston made this statement. There is one safe and happy place, and that's in the will of God. One safe and happy place, it's in the will of God. You say, well, "What's my part? I've already given you several things. First of all, you can go on a mission trip. How many of you have already taken a mission trip before from our church or some other church? Would you raise your hand? Several here. How many of you'd like to take a mission trip one day? Would you raise your hand? If you get an opportunity, you ought to take that mission trip. There's only one thing: you'll never come back the same. You'll come back with a different heart. You'll you'll want to do more. You'll want to give more. You'll want to go more. You'll want to pray more. And you may even want to go for the rest of your life." So you can go to the mission field on a mission trip, you can pass out a track, you can serve on the mission field, give you a little bit of my testimony and I'll move on. I was about as shy and timid as you could imagine, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, but at 11-years-old I was in a chapel service, a Christian school chapel service, and the person talked about serving God with their life and I thought, there's no way I can do that. And the Holy Spirit said, just go forward. Just making it from my, where I was at to the, to the altar was just a challenge. And I'm glad I did that. I'm glad at the age of 11 years old, 32 years ago, I'm, I'm glad that I gave my life to God. God has done much more with my life than I could have ever done for my life myself. And God can use you. Not that I've done anything, but I, I'm glad to be a vessel that God's able to use. At the age of 13, they were talking about missionaries, and at that point, they weren't necessarily talking about starting churches and working with churches. It was going to the mission field and giving them the gospel and helping them plant things and helping them with their schooling and helping them with this. And when I found out that it was preaching, I thought, well, God must have called me to preach back then. I, I didn't know exactly what God, what God had for me, but I was willing to go. God has only—I I thought about what David Livingston said. He said God only had one son, and he made him to be a missionary. Hudson Taylor made this statement, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. William Booth said, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin and put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to this pitiful well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look, Christ. In the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Jim Elliot made this statement. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. William Borden made this or asked this question. If ten men are carrying a log, nine of them one little, on the little end and one on the heavy end, and you want to help, which end are you going to lift up on? Pastors made the statement that 4% of our world lives in, this, in, in the United States and about 96% of the world lives somewhere else. And I'll, I'll make a pretty transparent statement here. Sometimes we say, well, I'm not called to go. Then my question is, has God called you to stay? If you're a young person, young, if you're middle-aged and you say, I don't know what God has for me, uh, maybe you ask God, God, would you let me go? Would you let me serve? And yes, there's training involved. And yes, maybe deputations involved, but it's a wonderful life if that's what God has for you. So what can I do? Since it's for everyone, it's yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's eternal. Yes, it's everywhere. Yes, it's for everyone. You can pray. You can serve. You can give. You can go on a missions trip. Several verses here that I'll skip over for For lack of time i'll give you one illustration left and i'll be done we were serving in peru had the privilege of pastoring there for several years and while i was down there a young young gal came in 15 year old girl by the name of Marlene. one of her one of her knees was probably half the size of my fist the other knee was much bigger than a basketball she came in and i'm guessing she weighed less than 100 pounds just just skin and bones she said, I have cancer, and one of the, I've seen, I don't think that I've ever seen a sadder look on anyone's face than on Marlini's face that day. She said, I just got out of the hospital, our, our church was about 8 blocks from the hospital, and she said, um, the doctor said yesterday, no more chemotherapy, no more radiation, no more doctor's visits, no more medicine, and she said, the doctor told me yesterday there's no hope. And then she asked me and my wife, she said, is there hope? Is there hope? My wife and I sat down with her. She got saved. Her mom got saved. At the end of the service, uh, I must have mentioned baptism, that after you get saved, you should get baptized. And I said, uh, and Marlenia said, you didn't push me to get baptized. She said, I just trusted Christ. She said, should I get baptized? And I said, well, that's up to you. And I said, but that's going to be a lot of pain if you get up in these baptism waters. That's going to be a lot of pain that you're going to have to suffer. And I'll never forget her words. She said, but Pastor, didn't Jesus suffer a lot for me on the cross? And I said, why aren't you changing yet? No, I didn't tell her that. (laughs) She changed. Her mom changed. They got baptized that day. Three months later, I got a phone call that Marlene had passed away at 15. So why do you tell us that story? Because First Baptist Church was one of the churches that supported us while we were in Peru. I wonder if you hadn't supported us and other churches hadn't supported us where Marlene would be today. And it all happened because somebody at that point decided to give to missions, decided to pray for missionaries, And somebody decided to go.